Hello everyone, welcome to Got to Start Somewhere, the podcast where I, Maddie Holmes, have open and honest conversations each week, exploring what it really means to start something new for the first time. This podcast is me also starting somewhere, trying to figure out the trials and tribulations of what it's like being a 20-something and figuring out where you want to go in the world, but also now during a pandemic. Uh, I've really enjoyed recording this series. My guests have been absolutely amazing. All the interviews have taken place remotely. And do not forget to bless your little ears with my content and go on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts to listen to all the weekly episodes. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the series. Today, I'm joined with three very special ladies who are incredibly well-read, and um, I'm going to talk to them a bit about their reflections of their favourite lockdown reads. This is a Bumper Book Club special, and if you're looking for new recommendations, here is the place to find them. All books discussed will be available in the show notes afterwards. And um, so, yeah, let's get cracking. Today's guests are Lizzie Connick, Elle Crow, and Maddie Rainiers. Um, welcome to Got to Start Somewhere. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Now, each Excited of you have like, already individually messaged me your top recommendations. But before we begin, I want to briefly chat about the relationship that you experienced between your lockdown and reading. Um, because personally I got through many more books than I usually would in normal life and I found that time that kind of like stillness of lockdown to read a lot Um, whereas I know for some others they found it a really their head was just like really distracted all the time and they couldn't read so we're using audiobooks instead and things like that what were your experiences like Elle? Um, Yeah so for me I I am definitely one of the former um, in terms of of really finding that stillness. It was just having the time, which I just never really had before. I was always like someone who would read on like, I live in London, so like on tubes and buses and stuff, um, but would often find it quite difficult to get into them in those kind of settings, especially when you're like kind of checking your stop, you know, not sure when you're next gonna get off the tube or whatever. Um, So I definitely feel like having that time was something that meant that I was reading a lot more. And I think I set myself kind of goals of like, I'm quite a schedule sort of person. So um, being like setting aside time to read and be like, oh, I want to try and read like a book a week or a book every two weeks at this point um, and like scheduling that time because it kind of feel, feels productive. Um, it's not the same yeah. as obviously like I love watching series and stuff, but it feels slightly more productive, especially in the ta- like in the Black Lives Matter kind of movement that, well, obviously it's an ongoing movement, but kind of in the like of George Floyd yeah in the peak of it it, in June it was like felt very like productive and something that needed to be done so yeah I definitely feel like I had a I had a good relationship with reading during lockdown yeah I think I also did I think um I found in a similar way that I had you know (laughs) lots of time to be reading um and I felt like actually it was a really good time to read things that I'd always wanted to read um and just never got around to. So I read Aaron Dutty Roy's God of Small Things, which has been away reading this for like four years um, <laughs> and absolutely loved it. And I also thought it was a really good opportunity to be able to read around books. So I, I, I read Educated, which I'm really excited that one of you's chosen as your book. Um, but I read that last year and over lockdown, I listened to loads of podcasts where Tara Westover was talking about um, Educated and her life and I thought like that was that was definitely a new experience for me and something I'll definitely do going forward um because I think listening to an author speak about their text is something I like actually haven't done that often with new writing Mm. um 
and sort of I've only ever done like on my course or, or with older texts. Um, so that was something I really enjoyed. I guess you can gain a lot more insight as well into the process behind why they why authors write certain books of fiction and nonfiction, and it gives you that kind of extra context and background that might have not made sense initially when you read something. It's really interesting that all your choices that you sent me, um, there was an overriding theme of kind of like the complexities of humanity or injustice or something like that. And I think that's really interesting because I guess literature's main goal like on the perspective of any author is to widen readers perspectives and give insight into the stories that aren't necessarily heard or known so our first choice uh, for this book club was um real life uh, which was lizzie's recommendation by brandon taylor um, this is a story of a black research student in the midwest in america and it kind of uses dark comedy to show the prejudice and privilege explored within society um, Wallace's journey, Wallace is the main character, his journey um, is kind of talks about how he's surrounded by his white colleagues and white gay friends in his social circles and kind of what that experience is like for him. Um, so Lizzie, let's start with you. Um, why did you engage with this book so much? I think I read it at a time where I was really trying to expand my understanding of white privilege and racism and systemic racism and it was really important to me that that was combined with hearing black voices um and Brandon Taylor it was his, it's his debut novel and it I, I don't know how I came across it I think it was like one of those things where I was looking on you know like Waterstones and loads of independent bookshops put out a lot of like anti-racist um, work during uh, I think July August um, and it's because it was released last year I just I, I picked it up and absolutely loved it and I think it's one of the things that I took away from it that, that I think is an absolute triumph from him is that you really cannot read it without understanding or you can't read it without feeling the impact of microaggressions or like what is called casual racism which I'm not sure that I agree with as a term but he I feel like Brandon Taylor really really challenges the term casual racism because nothing about those you know what we would probably term microaggressions are minor at all if you feel the impact of them literally because he he will not allow you to continue reading without acknowledging them um and I think that that's I, I think that's really rare. I mean, I don't think I've ever read a text where I feel stopped in my path when, when something like that happens. Um, and it really makes you think about your own actions. Um, and I just, yeah, I think that was the main thing that I, that I took away from. How do you think that the comedy added to that? Because in the synopses and the general reviews of the book, it says that it uses, like the author uses comedy in a really interesting way to kind of get across those points that are a bit uncomfortable and a bit tricky to kind of create a dialogue around. I actually wouldn't, I wouldn't have associated comedy with the book. I think, I, I don't know if I maybe wasn't reading it in, a, in the frame of mind where I was like willing to accept it as comedy. Mm -hmm. But I think, I kind of, I think maybe I understand that more in terms of how it approaches like difficult conversations. So like when Wallace is talking to um, Miller, who is, a, a white student at this university but is sort of posing as straight but questions his sexuality He's, he has sexual encounters with Wallace and and um they sort of have this relationship and I think 
that Wallace talks about his childhood, which is really traumatic to Miller, but in the middle of the night, like with the lights off and it's, it's really, sh it's a short passage, kind of stream of consciousness. And I think that that's quite unelaborate that I think maybe that's where the comedy comes in and, and like his responses to white people making stupid comments, horrible comments, racist comments aren't like, t aren't like really, really, really aggressive that he's, he's, he is quite funny and sarcastic about it. And I, and I, maybe that's where the comedy comes in. Um, have either of you two, Elle or Maddie, um, read the book or have any kind of thoughts on using literature as a way to talk about race and kind of systemic issues? I haven't read it, no, unfortunately not. Um, but yeah, I think um, literature is probably the best way to get things across. I think probably in lockdown as well, um, where maybe discussions with friends weren't happening in like person and you weren't able to go to things where you might be educated by, you weren't able to go to cinema, for example. Um, I think film and media is quite a good way as well to educate people on that front. But I think literature is probably the best way to like get those things across and podcasts as well. But that book sounds really good. I'm definitely keen mm. to read that. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read it, but um, I, it really, you're, what you're saying about the microaggressions really remind me of um, Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams in terms of like, it was, I think literature is really important in kind of the plight for anti-racism in terms of like, I realized in June kind of how few black protagonists I had really read, read about or just people of color, like you, you, children can't, I just think literature is so important for children to kind of really empathize with people of color because I mean I just don't think I was really exposed to that um and yeah the Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams that just really had the similar sort of mm -hmm. stopping you in your tracks with the microaggressions because you mm -hmm. just like completely obviously I think I've not read um the Brandon Taylor book but um Queenie's like quite light-hearted it's quite relatable um as a young female but like you just met with so many microaggressions that you mm. yourself wouldn't notice. But because you are kind of reading through the eyes of Queenie, you just like become so much more aware of them. And yeah. like what you were saying, Lizzie, like you just, you're kind of faced with what you might do, um, uh, like mm. what microaggressions you might um, communicate in everyday life. And yeah, mm. it's kind of a bit bleak, um, but mm. really important. Um, but yeah. I think something something that's uh, different between Queenie and real life, and I completely agree with you that that I think in terms of Queenie stopping you um, is similar. But I think what because Wallace is gay and black and a student of biochemistry, I think it's it's really it's so intersectional in the way that it talks about microaggressions. Even so, it's so nuanced in its approach to this this guy with quite a, with this like identity that we don't really come across in literature and I think yeah you're so right it's really important that we that we have a have a diverse range of protagonists in in literature we read. I think also um with the Brandon Taylor book it's interesting that he's chosen to write to set it in a space that's institutionalized and the idea that if you're the fact that it's based in kind of like the root of what he's facing is within a, a, a system and then it, that kind of shows how like if you, at the heart of the system there are these problems how it kind of trickles down into society um and i think that's a space that's not usually um depicted very often mm. in literature either um 
and also I guess the book just like you were saying Elle I guess it just it, awareness is one of the key things that I think I gauged from the kind of peak of the, the Black Lives Matters movement during the first wave of lockdown and it's that idea of if, if literature can make you aware of your own microaggressions then that's the first step to kind of tackling the much more complicated and wider issues of racism. Each book we're gonna give five stars so whoever suggested the book is going to give it a rating out of five stars um so lizzie what would you give oh my god that's so hard i did not i don't feel like i have a right to give it a rating um (laughs) god well i'm not actually sure what i could do to make it better so i'm gonna give it five but i mean that's so boring and like really excitable of me but i'm actually just gonna have to give it five okay um So the next book club read is Educated by Tara Westover, which tells the narrative of a woman born in Idaho to a semi-cult kind of lifestyle where all aspects of modern life are rejected. She never attends school and instead stoops herbs for her mother and works on her father's junkyard. Um, But once Tara enters the classroom at 17, Educated tells the inspiring story of how Tara then commits to a a decade of further education, eventually graduating from Harvard and getting a PhD in history from Cambridge. Um, so Elle, tell me, like, what are your initial thoughts on this book and um, how do you think the kind of like importance of education and knowledge is represented within the book as well? So this was kind of my f- one of my first memoir books I've kind of read. I read Dolly Alderton's Everything I Know About Love like last year, <laughs> like everyone else did. Um, and or two years ago, maybe. Um, but this I got recommended and I just enjoyed so much because you really, it doesn't feel like it's a memoir. It feels like it could be fiction at the beginning because it's Tara Westover was brought up in this kind of survivalist household um, where she really didn't have an identity officially. Um, She didn't have a birth certificate until she was about, I don't think she had a birthday until she was about 10 um, or she didn't find out when she was born and maybe she never did. Um, But yeah, basically, yeah, it was it was really important and just fascinating to look at this um, different sort of way of life that takes place in some rural areas of America. Um, these kind of survivalists who are very anti-establishment and are scared of all these different types of institutions, like formal kind of edu- any sort of education, any sort of um, formal medicine. They just don't agree with and don't believe in, and they're just they they just want to stay entirely away from um so tara's kind of journey from kind of living in the middle of nowhere um stewing herbs for her mom and working it on like her father's junkyard where some absolutely crazy things happen um i won't spoil it for any potential readers um but it's chaos it's it's absolutely chaos it does feel like fiction at certain bits um but yeah it's basically yeah her journey to a formal education and how anyone can get there it's kind of it does really feel like um it's very uplifting just that it was kind of meant for her that that was that was kind of written in the stars almost um that she was going to have this formal education and be able to contribute to so many lives um and yeah i think it's just really inspiring and uplifting the story itself is also very heartbreaking because she has to eventually kind of choose her education mm-hmm. and her own life over keeping those kind of connections with her family. Um, and that brings a different kind of side to it of like, what do you have to sacrifice in order to gain knowledge and 
push your own kind of like mental learning journey forward um that's yeah a sad part i was wondering if you had a comment on um the kind of abusive like theme in the book as well with her brother yeah she she has like various elements of abuse in her from her family life kind of from her brother also from like various members of her family kind of emotional abuse um in terms of her wanting to go and do something different with her life um as well one of her older brothers um kind of sort of inspired her to go down a potentially edu educational path because he'd gone to Brigham Young University already um but yeah ultimately she has met with kind of the decision to whether to follow what she really wants or to um, have a relationship with her family. Um, and it doesn't seem that she can do both um, because her family are so survivalist and anti-establishment um, and they just fundamentally don't believe in what she's doing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting looking at those different relationships that she goes through. Um, yeah. I don't know if I've got anything else to say on that. <laughs> Lizzie or Maddie, do you want to add to the conversation? I haven't read the book, but it is on my reading list. So. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so good. I always find it interesting. It kind of made me think about Deborah Francis White as well and coming from a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then it's always the people that never learn anything when like never have a, an education when they're younger that end up going to do incredible things at like Oxford and Cambridge mm -hmm. and getting yeah. incredible like PhDs and certificates for achievements in I don't know academia and I find that really um really fascinating Lizzie um what are your thoughts on what mm. kind of doors do you think education can open for especially for women as well mm. I think um using educated as a, as a basis for this question um this answer Tara Westover is I think phenomenal in so many ways but one of the ways that I really admire her is the way that she talks about her family and um, having having had this you know pretty traumatic well, very traumatic experience growing up um she doesn't talk about her father or her mum with any like resentment or hatred or all of those things that you would expect her to have for that family that sort of you know refused her an education for because she thinks of it as they were trying to do what they thought was best for her and they loved her and they they were they were giving her what they thought would was was love and so I think that that with an, with an education comes the ability to understand people so much more and I think have if she hadn't been educated in the way that she she has now been I think it would be really easy to grow up and think you know God, I know I hate this life, but I, I don't know why. And I don't know why these people are doing this to me. And I'm not sure what I want, but I, but I can't, you know, you can't formulate ideas about why you feel the way that you feel. And I think that it's a testament to her education and her, um, well, also her, her character. I'm not sure I could do the same thing, but she, I just think it's phenomenal that, that she can have this, um, that view of her, of her family. And it's, um, she said something about the fact that you can, you can love someone so much and, and appreciate them as your family, but know that they're not right for you in terms of like your progression. And she, she has this opinion of her, of her family that is, you know, I, they're always gonna be my family and, and, I, and I know that they care about me and I know that they love me and I know they were doing the best for me, but actually 
we don't see life the same way and we were ne we never will and so she sort of has to leave that in the past and I think that's um, definitely a testament to her education. I was just going to say another sort of memoir that I read over lockdown that sort of ties in with this is one called Motherwell by Deborah Orr and she kind of has not the same situation but she comes from quite an underprivileged background where she kind of lives in a council estate in Scotland um, and lives with kind of her narcissistic mother um, and then she goes on to kind of become a site journalist for the Guardian um, and when Lizzie was just touching on kind of like loving your family but knowing they're not right you know her mother is a complete narcissist and she writes this memoir about it and never says anything horrible about her mother but just kind of drops it in there that her mother was doing these things and talks about narcissism quite a lot and I just thought that memoir if anyone wanted to read it would tie in quite well with that theme of like loving your family but knowing that they're not right for you and probably not best you know for your education and stuff like that mm, yeah that's really interesting um so yes what would you give this out out of five stars out i think i'd go for four i don't know what i'd change about it to make it a five um but <laughs> i think i'm gonna go for a four it's so hard to give stars i don't like yeah it. stars yeah, is really I hard i feel like <laughs> not worthy of giving anything anything <laughs> you give it a green light though that's yeah, I definitely give it the green light. Yeah. Um, going back to what Lizzie was saying, have you listened to any? Have you done any kind of like further podcast listening or article reading about um, about this book yourself since you finished it? I haven't really been doing very much like podcast listening of Tara Westover, although now I actually probably will um because she does seem like such a crazy, interesting, and intellectual woman. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of friends about it. Um, it's one of those books that kind of went around. I don't know if any of you guys did this during lockdown, but like we kind of like would post each other books and other people. So this one kind of went around my friendship group. Um, so it's definitely one that's been talked about a lot. Um, yeah, just in terms of like how kind of spectacular the real life stories can be um, and how spectacular hers is. And yeah, especially as a woman, I feel like it was like really empowering um, to read. But yeah the the elizabeth day episode with her is really good and it's basically just tara speaking the whole time which is <laughs> i didn't know she interviewed tara westover mm. i thought i thought i'd listen to most of those that's okay i definitely i think it was it. last year but yeah really good episode so the final book club choice uh for this episode is ghost by dolly alderton um it's everyone's gone crazy about it coming out almost probably more than her first uh de debut memoir everything i know about love um, but this is a story that uh, talks about uh, 30-year-old Nina and meets Max, a guy that on her first date says that he wants to marry her. It all seems a little bit too perfect, and yet she can't help but notice that every opportunity is dwindling and time is very much passing by. Uh, the book covers the importance that's so deeply rooted within female connection and kind of that grounding of, that friendship can give. Um, and that's all they really give because I've tried everywhere to find a plot summary and nowhere on Google will give me one because I think she's been really, uh, I've, I've listened to a lot of interviews and kind of pressed stuff leading up to um, the release date and she just doesn't give anything away. So until you read it, you really can't find out what happens. Um, but yeah, so Maddie, let's start with you. How does friendship speak out in the book? And um, how much of a role does ghosting actually play within the book itself as well? Um, so the ghosting part is actually, I would say it's kind of like a subplot in a way, 
But um, what I think Dolly does, which is really clever, is that she kind of ties the whole notion of ghosting. So Max ghosting Nina um, with like the kind of ghost of her father. So Nina's dad um, has dementia and kind of develops um, dementia in the book. And it's all about while she's kind of going through the sort of relationship crisis, she's also kind of dealing with her dad as well. And also her mum as well, who's got, to, who's now kind of um, looking after her dad. Um, and it's all about kind of like the memory of her, like her father doesn't die or anything, but it's kind of just about the memory of her personality and his childhood um, kind of just moving along. Um, and it kind of, what I really liked is there's this massive parallel between kind of the loss of his sort of, life in a way within his dementia um and kind of sense of self um and i really like how it ties in with almost like nina's sense of self in the sense that she's designing this like new self almost on social media by going on these dating apps um and yeah what i really like the reason that max basically ghosts nina is because in the world of kind of social media today that facilitates people being able to ghost each other because you're basically falling in love with like a 2d image um, and I think Dolly very much kind of touches on that in the book. And there's kind of a few passages where, you know, Nina's talking to her best friend Lola about, you know, um, like 2D images and how, you know, men are falling in love with the idea of women and not necessarily them. Um, and I think the idea of friendship is like really, really strong. Like the theme of friendship is really, really strong in the book. Um, and yeah, it's, I think the, the biggest contrast is actually between um, like married women. So Catherine um, is a character in the book and she very much embodies like the married woman who's kind of now settled down. She's has a child in the book, but she's, yeah, so by the end of it, she's got two children. Um, and then you've got Lola, who's kind of like Dolly um, in a way that she's like 30, in her 32 um, and single. Um, and there's this really profound argument that Catherine and um, Nina actually have where Nina kind of just kind of shouts at Catherine and is just like, you don't care about, you know, my life because it's full of drama and it's full of kind of spontaneity and you've got your perfect life with your perfect ceramic tiles and kitchens and everything. Mm -hmm. And I just, I really like that idea of the like theme of friendship in the book of like, what it's going to be like when we're all in our 30s and like when we've kind of some of us have settled down some of us haven't um and not that that's a bad thing I'm personally probably in the category of Nina um I think <laughs> that's where I'd like to be um but like yeah it just kind of really made me because I obviously we're not in our 30s so I felt like that's the only kind of side where I couldn't really relate to it as much um but I think it's just yeah I just really liked the whole notion of like moving away from like the fun of your twenties and then move, like it's all these women who are now moving into their thirties. Um, and yeah, I just, I love the, the theme of friendship and another, another, um, just to say one last thing, my favorite part of the book is actually when Nina, um, so Lola's, um, boyfriend ends up ghosting her at the end and it's not kind of like, uh, it's not ruining the plot, but he ends up ghosting her and Nina actually goes to his house and basically says like, leave her alone. Like you're making too many promises to her that you're not going to fulfill. So just leave her alone. And I really liked that aspect of friendship. And I think I like at the end that it's not a happy ending. Um, I like that about Dolly. She's very realistic. Um, and even her memoir, I really liked the ending where it was like, love yourself kind of thing. Um, and I loved the ending of this book because she kind of leaves it open. It's very open-ended. Um, but she leaves it on a realistic note about kind of 
like just you don't really know if Nina's gonna find anyone but it's just kind of it ends with her having like a picnic with her family and her friends and with all the people that she loves um, and I thought that was really profound mm. yeah yeah I think I mean I think that was very predictable of Dolly in the sense of like she always tries to talk like give that kind of genuine truth to female friendship and what it's like when you get older and people's kind of milestones become different and um she and she yeah, she she always she always always like backs the female the female mm. friendship kind of narrative um which is i think really really good i just wanted to add to the kind of ghosting element i guess like another element in which um nina finds herself kind of ghosted is by her friend like who just has mm. kind of abandoned her and it's like she's not important because she doesn't have a partner and it was almost like she talks about how she was she saw more of her friend when she was in a relationship because they wanted to do things as couple like kind of couple friends and they'd have dinner but it was never <laughs> Nina would never get invited just on her own um and how that kind of really negatively impacted their relationship like why why should it why should me being in a relationship impact our friendship our female friendship yeah um so yeah yeah. I think it tells a difficult a difficult dialogue, doesn't it, between how you prioritize your friendships when the kind of like traditional like patriarchy makes women believe that once you have a man on the scene, like you have to commit a hundred percent of your attention and I don't know, like lifestyle to them. Um, I guess also I was reading a, an article about Dolly speaking about ghosts and she was saying like how um, she wanted to try and depict the female friendships within the, the novel as like um, showing that kind of opposition that society sets up in female friendships to kind of like be a defense against that and like how you can prioritize friendship over romantic love. In the book something that I liked that Dolly was talking about was like the promises that men make to women in the book. Um, and again, this is something I couldn't necessarily relate to because I'm not 30. Um, but I could definitely see that when you're kind of 32, you're kind of in that, that age where you kind of want to settle down and have children. Lots of these men in these book, uh, in, in the book, like Max, who in, you, you said in the synopsis, he says that he basically wants to marry her on the first date. Like, even if you're not fully committed to that person, even on like the second date, if, if you're 30 and someone says that to you or kind of mentions babies and stuff and and you know creates this sort of like virtual life for you and your part like you and this person like those hormones when you're like 30 is all is gonna make you be like oh like yes and that's kind of what you kind of see in like lola her character she's she's quite she's a lot more wild than nina like at the beginning like she's super like party like she's going on these tinder dates but she constantly talks about wanting like a relationship in this book. And then she ends up literally almost moving in with this, this guy after a very short period of time. Um, and yeah, there's just this really good passage when Nina goes to his house and says that, you know, stop promising her things that you don't, you know, believe in. Um, and you just, it's just about men in their thirties, you know, creating this sort of like world with women and promising them things that they're not going to give them. And I think I really like that Dolly highlights that because I think that is such a truth like in relationships and maybe not at our age um but I can definitely see that when you're in your 30s like if someone says that to you even if you're not fully committed to them you could just be like oh yes I, I don't know babies is it on the cards and Nina definitely has that with Max um they go away for like a staycation at one point and this is after he's ghosted her and then they've reunited um and he does end up ghosting her again which is really unfortunate sorry if that's a plot ruin it. i don't think it is um 
but um like she basically says kind of a joke to him like when they're talking about themselves in the kitchen because he's like oh I love watching you in the kitchen you know and let's put some flour on your face and I don't know he just creates this like fantasy world or whatever and she actually says like oh let's not say anything you know too much let's not let you get the wrong idea and want to rush off again um and she was kind of saying like oh Max remember that this is you saying it. it's not me it's you saying all this this stuff but yeah Hmm. Yeah, just when you were speaking about, um, or when you were talking, I was just thinking, I think there's a really interesting, I, I, I think probably from reading this book, you could think about why, like what we, what we want in our relationships, in our romantic relationships, because I think actually a lot of the time, and I think this applies to people that are our age as well. I think a lot of the time, what you're looking for is a sense of like comfort and security and love that I think you can find that you do find in your friendships and I I definitely think it's often misconstrued in our in our own selves and in society that that we can only get this like very specific love and relationship from from a romantic relationship and I don't know if that's true yeah Um, and I think it's really interesting to think that like maybe the issues that that arise between women at, at this stage in life is um, all the stage that Dolly's depicting is that actually you lose an element of your relationship with your female friends because they are in romantic relationships that they think are a priority but actually maybe if we reframe relationships so that we are giving equal weight to everyone then we'd realize that actually it's not such a it's not such a you know milestone to meet a romantic partner because actually you've got everything you need in yeah. all of your friends rather than trying to find it in one person I don't know I just wondered yeah that's yeah this is the interesting thing Maddie and I are part of a, a, a female friendship group of six and we all have slightly different um we're all at different milestones already in terms of like our relationships with other people but I'm really interested to see how that kind of grows but we've already known each other a good five years and I don't see that like changing yeah, no, interesting. Like, I think I'm already very aware through reading Dolly's books and through just kind of the general dialogue that podcasters love to, <laughs> they love to crack into. But just in general, I think I'm already very aware of the future and how, you know, once, and also just like how important it is to treasure the friendships now when realistically the responsibilities are very minimal in terms of what is expected of us as women in the mm. classic stem of the patriarchy, like just in general, like just thinking about the future and how, you know, once jobs become a lot more kind of like a central part of our lives. And then obviously like the expectations of society for us to get married and start families and all these kind of things, even if we choose to not like get ourselves involved with them, it will still will kind of change the nature of our friendships. Just what you said then, I think is really important. Like just not also just trying not to judge people for, for being consumed by relationships. I think it's so easy to be like, oh God, I haven't seen this this girl in so long because she's like got a new boyfriend or whatever. Like that is not, a pro- I think that is a product of the society that we live in. And we've, we've been told this, you know, our whole lives that finding someone is like what you need to do. And so when you find it, you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna spend all my time with this person. And I think it's really important to just acknowledge that those feelings are a product of, of the way that we've been brought up as women and as men, and I think that um, just sympathising with each other and, and ensuring that we like don't judge anyone for the decisions that they're making is really important. Mm, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Just got to let people 
kind of find themselves I think if you haven't seen a friend in a while because they're in a relationship just kind of let them because they will come back to you Mm. like in the end as long as they don't treat you rubbishly um you know you've got to let people find their own way um and that comes in the form of relationships sometimes I'm very I feel like I mean being in a relationship myself I think I understand it so I'm quite respectful of a lot of my friends who are in relationships I never judge them for anything um and even when I wasn't in a relationship I never judged them either um I kind of think that's the best policy yeah I wanted to briefly just chat about the uh, going back to the ghosting thing again um have any of you ever been ghosted just now no I've dumped a few times I think I'd rather be ghosted not gonna lie I actually I'm so embarrassed to say that I actually don't really know what ghosting means <laughs> should I give you a definition yeah I'm such a I'm really quite a loser I've been ghosted many a time uh on dating apps and it's just basically where you go and probably on a first date you establish like a semi-connection with someone you're like oh they're a nice person I want to see them again and then you message them again and you just never hear from them ever again like they never replied okay. to your message. They never, it, I think the worst case it happened to me was when I'd gone on a really good first date with a guy a few years ago and um, he'd scheduled a second date and was like, right, we'll go to this. He gave me the time, the place, the date on like Tuesday evening and it got to Tuesday afternoon and I just wanted to like confirm it was happening and he just never, never heard from him again. So he'd scheduled a oh, second date well. and then genuinely it was like he dropped dead. And that's I what it's like, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, I definitely. I don't know what it is, but I've definitely had it happen. That was describes it as them like literally disappearing because, like, he deletes. Right. He unmatches in the book. Max un- unmatches Nina from his profile um, and stuff like that, and just completely disappears. And there's a really good part in the book where it's there's one chapter and it's just a dialogue of messages and towards the end of the chapter so it starts with kind of being nina max nina max then it goes nina nina and ends with just nina 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 and max just doesn't reply it's so like so bizarre that people think that that's like okay but social media facilitates that and that's what dolly talks Mm. about you know Mm. you're falling in love or liking a 2d image and you can like Mm. it's like when friends or whatever or you can avoid a message for a long time mm. on social social media. I think I'm I'd like to think I'm quite good at replying, but sometimes if I can't, I don't want to reply to a message, you know, you will kind of subconsciously leave it for like a week or so. And I think maybe some people are just quite good at just mm. not replying at all. I mm. think it brings up that kind of like um, artificial side of dating apps. And as someone that now has a relationship from a dating app, I can say that yeah. like it was it it's very much about circumstance and how those kind of like those dates form and just also just like a big chance of luck of whether you're really going to get on with somebody on a level that's more than just a casual basis. But I think the artificial nature of dating apps in that you have so much choice in who you want to invest your time into, but then because there are so many people, there's not that obligation to be a decent human most of the time. And you can just, and you're, you're treating the people that you match with and you potentially date as just like, I don't know, vegetables on a grocery shelf in Sainsbury's like there's just so you can just you know what I mean you can pick and choose and then you can just leave it if you want and not buy it at all and I think (laughs) that's a slightly strange metaphor but but I think in general it just it does make the whole concept of ghosting very I don't know it just it's not very nice but also it makes Mm. um, I was thinking about the idea that you can never actually fully disappear on social media because you can find anyone now with like just like general Facebook searches and everything, even if you try to avoid someone by not returning their calls and whatever, they're always still 
able to be found and messaged and you, if you really wanted you could keep just bombarding someone for as long as as possible so how you could give someone that much anxiety like in the book like I actually felt anxious like reading the messages chapter I was like oh my god Mm. this is actually horrible like why is he not replying to her um and also it's such a case of gaslighting as well because then she then thinks that she becomes a psycho um yeah yeah I think what's what's different from so obviously Maddie you were just talking about um no, sorry Maddie Holmes and um, you were just saying that you like about ghosting from like a first date I feel like what's different about in the book kind of what she really highlights is this uh, emotional ghosting as well so the kind of the, the male the, the bachelor kind of putting yeah like using that 30 year old kind of framework to be like I want to marry you um I I, I think we're going to have children blah, 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 and then getting getting so invested like almost that making making the woman so invested and then completely taking the rug from my yeah pulling the rug from underneath her feet and be like nope nope that was too much yeah and it's him it's his own doing and I think it really what Dolly like really highlights is like the dichotomy between the bachelor and the bachelorette kind of at that age like how different they are in society and how much power one has over the other and I wonder if somewhat it's to do with like kind of fertility and um like women have this kind of constant from the patriarch this kind of constant kind of ticking clock of their eggs and it shouldn't be such a big deal but it is a big deal to women to find someone whereas for men they've not got that ticking clock so they can wait till they're like 50 and Mm. marry a 30 year old or something um you know so yeah yeah, I think she highlights that really nicely and I think yeah Yeah, well that's quite sad (laughs) yeah it is sad that's what I'm saying about the kind of like any any woman even if they don't want to get married and have children any woman who hears that subconsciously just because of the hormones and like our whole purpose on earth if you want to call it that (laughs) is to procreate apparently allegedly um so like any woman at that age is going to be like oh I've never really considered this before but someone's promising this to me and I'm kind of into it um and I think that's what happens a lot in the book with both Lola and Nina who are both single women and then they kind of get turned by the bachelors and then the bachelors exit the game as Dolly likes to call it um Mm -hmm. once they've kind of completed it Mm. yeah sure. Lizzie did you have one last point to make um it doesn't really sorry I was just I was got I got riled up when you were talking because I was like my least one of my least favorite things in the world is when people make you feel like their decision is because they want to like help you yeah so I've had so many like so many friends have been broken up with and I'm sure I think this has happened to me as well where like it's like oh I'm you know I don't feel like I'm good for you or like, I don't think that I'm helping you or like, I think that we're you know you'll be happier without me it's like no, no just have some balls like if you want to break up with me break up with me but don't act like it's better for me like yeah. otherwise I would have broken up with you it's just fucking ridiculous sorry <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to you're allowed to round the podcast it is <laughs> it's ridiculous it is ridiculous I just like, have some, just have some pride and just do it if, if you like it's just I think it's so yeah. I think that is the most demeaning thing that's just about doing that it's me not you thing though isn't it it's such a power play yeah. yeah and I think this is something that's come up a lot recently in the kind of um I don't know general listening and reading that I've been doing that there are just as many issues with the whole casual sex kind of narrative of women feeling like the men play the card of oh women get clingy and fall in love with me if I sleep with them but then there's also the other side where men there's just huge commitment and kind of like lack of honesty within men going into casual sex because they feel like, Oh, because it's casual, I don't need to be honest or I don't need to actually 
talk about what we're doing um which is a big issue and i think a lot of men with with in general dating and also facilitated through dating apps they play the card of oh that's what the woman wants to that's how the woman wants to be treated they want to go on dates and have like magical picnics and come they play the romance card very early on to kind of reel in these women yeah. and then just suddenly like it, it's like they've been doing it for completely ulterior motives and they haven't actually been there's no intent behind those gestures and they'll bring over a bouquet of flowers and then have a shag with you and then leave and never see you again mm. and it's like why why bring in those other kind of images and like symbols of intent when it's just not that i think it's, it's i think it's ridiculous to say that like women now at our age and our generation and hopefully going forward have any I, I don't think it's as binary anymore like who like wants to date and who just wants to have sex i think women definitely i think more so now have the confidence to just like be okay with the fact that they just want to have sex they're just like having casual sex and that's okay and i don't think it's i think it has changed that we're not so embarrassed about that fact um so i think it has changed a little bit. i think it's like i think there's still you know huge issues with um imbalance in terms of gender but i do think that women are starting to feel that they can like they don't really like i don't want flowers i don't want to go on a date with you i just want to have sex and i don't i think that that is becoming okay that narrative mm. that's so funny because i think it's actually becoming okay with women but i actually don't think that's still okay with men i don't know just from like like male mm. i've spoken to like i think like women are still fairly judged for that which i think is yeah and i think it's more with females because i think before it was women as well saying oh god you know they're sleeping with lots of people that's that's not great but actually i think women are the ones that have actually become like yeah you know do you that's great mm. whereas i yeah, think yeah, that's right. ones are still very much kind of like oh you know mm. she slept with that many people mm. kind of or I'm like oh if she's sleeping with me she must you know like are you sure this isn't are you sure you're not getting feelings i think yeah yeah right, that's, i hate that as that's well. definitely that's still evident, yeah. like assumption that you're gonna and i mean i feel bad for women because they release a hormone anyway during sex that supposedly makes them fall in love with men. And if that's true or not, I just, I feel bad for us in that. <laughs> what would you give the book out of five stars overall? Um, I'd probably give it a four just because I think in, in terms of like entertainment and it's just such a good, like junk food book. Like you can get through it in two days and it's great. And it's such a night. It'll be such a great like beach read slash like, by the fire read um the reason i wouldn't give it a five is just because obviously it's not like an intellectual read um and it doesn't have like loads and loads of references um it's just more just a relatable nice girly book mm. so yeah probably four got yeah. kind of slammed as well didn't it in terms of um did you see oh, that art the review yeah, in the guardian quite bad reviews but it was re it's had really bad reviews in terms of um yeah. kind of the language and the actual writing style because um, obviously the content is really like but yeah mm. i thought her writing style was great she's so like viv like i think she's really her writing style is really good like, it's very vivid i, so I, I agree like i i i was 100 percent. i really enjoyed it and then i read that review and i was like hmm. <laughs> there was a few like pull quotes where i was like yeah i think like one of the i think one of the lines he used to like um to, like show kind of kind of pedestrian writing was um um 
it was in that moment that I wished I had a condom for her heart <laughs> isn't it like <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that isn't that isn't the most well put <laughs> like isn't it like yeah I feel like I feel like what he's really picking up on is like how pedestrian that is as a sentence I mean I I enjoyed it and then but then when I saw that pill quote I was like yeah that's not the most yeah mm. is it um, but mm. well men should really see the wimp the female side so I think lots of men should read this book personally I agree so we're coming to the end now um, of the episode. Um, thank you so much for all joining. But I just wanted to finish on uh, one last question of um, what is the one book on your reading list that you want to start, which you haven't yet? Right. Well, I've got <laughs> quite a few. Um, mine's actually called, this is maybe a bit master, master student of me, but there's a book called Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, who's the CEO of Facebook. And I really want to read her book. It's just all about like, leadership, um, and it's actually part of my business and professional values module that I do my master's degree. Um, but it's all about like female leadership and how she kind of talks about like a lot, how there's a lack of female leadership in government and business uh, roles. Um, and I think it'd be quite informative and going into the commercial business world, hopefully fairly soon, something that I should probably come to terms with so yeah I'd quite like to read that that's on my reading list I was just trying to remember the author's name because I, it's so long um, mine's A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara <laughs> that's pro- I probably absolutely butchered that um, but I've heard <laughs> such amazing things about this book and like my friends just said like it's like she cried for like three hours afterwards which isn't oh. something that I like really want but like <laughs> I'm sure it's I'm sure it's like beautiful so yeah I, I, that's definitely on my list but it's pretty chunky so um yeah maybe during lockdown Mm. number two i'm at the moment reading very slowly um confession by jesse burton um but have literally read like i think probably a page every week because i've got an english degree to do um but i also really want to read president obama's book that comes out in november because i think it he he the way he talks about it is like very nuanced approach to his presidency and like what he did wrong and what he did right and I think he is an amazing speaker so yeah I haven't read his other book but I'm really I'm really I've got his other book I want to read that I've not read it um Jessie Burton's amazing you'll Mm, enjoy that once you get in she's yeah I've read Confession over lockdown it's really good yeah would Mm -hmm. recommend I love the historical kind of element it's so like magical it feels really like um Hollywood kind of just yeah I'm really enjoying it yeah so this is also a good time to plug Goodreads even though (laughs) I'm just doing out of the pure kindness of my heart because I think it is a brilliant app I use it all the time but if you have enjoyed this episode and you want to have conversations like these but you don't really know where to start Goodreads is a brilliant app which basically allows you to create reading lists and chart how like how far through books you are and you can connect with your friends and find out lots of recommendations uh my own personal rec- um book that i really want to read which i haven't had the time for yet is high fidelity by nick hornby um and so i really want to read that um but thank you so much lizzie maddie and l for joining me on this episode um don't forget to tune in next week for um another one <laughs>